Hello, my friend, and welcome to another edition of these special webinars that we've been doing about taking care of your mental health as a professional wrestler. This is part 10. Wow, that's pretty cool of this series. And it is a follow up from part nine, which we did, which we talked about substance use and abuse in professional wrestling. This will be uh, sort of an addition to that. And we have a special guest tonight to share his story and advice on the subject matter. And if you want to listen or watch to any of the previous webinars, they're all located on the YouTube channel. And as always, I'm joined by the resident experts, Carl and Kyle, who run our monthly support groups. They are in professional wrestling and experts in the mental health field. So it's sort of a, a beautiful thing, the best of both worlds. So if you want to join those support groups or join the Facebook group, uh, message us after this or during this or while you're listening to this or literally any time so we can get you sort of the support or the resources that are available. But that's my pitch. <laughs> that's my intro. Um, I'm Aaron. I used to be a professional wrestler named Jackson Stone. Now I just try to do this stuff in the mental health field. So Carl, Kyle, Jimmy, welcome. Thanks for coming along. Pleasure as always. Yeah. Excited for this one. Thanks for having me on, gentlemen. I always enjoy uh, any time I can get in on a good conversation, particularly when it's not about pro wrestling and uh, the sort of stuff I'm a little bit more passionate about, which is uh, sort of how to navigate through this thing we call life and this place we call reality. So, so, so to so to pop it off, how are you navigating life in your in your current day? Oh boy, that's those are big questions. Anytime someone asks me like, "How are you?" It's like, "Do you want to do you want to sit in on this?" Um <laughs> uh I'm let me put this succinctly. I'm uh working towards um letting go of a lot of stuff I've accumulated, particularly maybe over the last year and uh letting go of some of that to um flow a little easier through my life are you what's your day-to-day uh, -day look like these days mm, yeah so um boy this every morning i'm going for a walk that's something i uh i, I took a surfing lesson today I did that. There's a sort of a spiritual slash movement coach that I work with. I just uh, signed up for a uh, like a sexual uh, like uh, course, like online sexual course. You know, that's a I think a big part of um, the you know that's part of at least for me. I've got a map of reality I like. And it's pretty good. And then over sex, it's a little clouded. And I've been sort of putting my head in the sand as far as that goes for, for a long time. And it's, um, you know, we're, I, I can speak for myself being, I've been so disconnected from my body for so long. Uh, it's about time to mm, uh, connect with, connect with my body, connect with my sexuality, um, connect with my, you know, my, connect with my masculinity is something that's only happened over the last you know couple years so there are all these sort of pockets in the in the persona uh, pockets in the self even you could say um that need um need attention and so i'm doing my best to give attention to what's calling for me to give attention to it i i, th I think a lot about masculinity um you know not only in like a professional wrestling space and how that's exemplified but also to the to the young boys that I coach on a baseball team. So how do you how do you think about masculinity, Jimmy? Is there something that you can succinctly define as like healthy masculinity? Uh it's hard. I've been, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot. I, I've come up with, I think, is a Jedi. I, I was watching some Star Wars and a Jedi, I was like, ooh, I, I think I can say that looking at a Jedi, they they embody a lot of qualities that I think healthy masculinity could resemble in sort of modern life, you know, without lightsabers and hopefully without war and things of that nature, but like the way they carried themselves. And I, I can go deeper into that, but I'll, I'll let you go on, on that journey. That, that's a, that's a great one. I, I love, I love that. I love the Jedi. Um, I don't know if it'll be succinct, but you know, 
I, I look at you know gender from uh, the from a, a principle of uh, of reality, right? The yin and yang, the yin and yang. The you know in the Hermetic tradition, one of the seven uh, laws is principles of reality is the law of gender. And so I see the pattern of gender, these masculine and feminine energies playing out through all of reality. In fact, I would say the, the union of the masculine and feminine is, is what creates reality itself. And so that pattern plays out all throughout reality. And one of the places it plays out is within human beings and specifically within males and females. Uh, and so it's to me, it's first understanding what it is, what is masculine and what is feminine defining those things as you have the, the penetrative principle, the principle of order, the, the principle of, of boundaries, of, uh, yeah, of, of this over here, right? And over here you have the sort of receptive principle, the principle of openness, the principle of caring, the principle of acceptance, uh, the principle of mercy, the principle of severity is over here, right? Uh, so it's understanding to me first what those things are and then how they manifest themselves in the in the level of the human being and in the level of the male and the and the female. So I said it wasn't going to be succinct because this comes down to a basic principle of reality. Um, and so when I think of healthy masculinity, I think of um, masculinity that is balanced with femininity. Like the the proper masculine for, for the way a man should show up in the world, it is balanced with feminine energy, but has a has a steeper tilt towards the masculine principles and it all serves the highest good. When those things are out of balance, when you have no care that uh, that offsets the strength and justice and severity, if you have no mercy, if you have no care, if you have no sort of love over here, this becomes tyrannical here. So it must be offset. And both those things working in union must serve what is the what's the 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 ideal. They must serve the ideal. If they're self-serving, um, that becomes a distorted version of masculinity as well. Mm. I think that was very succinct. So I'll give you give yourself some credit there. That was beautiful. Uh Carl, Kyle, anything to add? I mean, I'm already loving the direction that this is taking. And I think you know, especially, I know we weren't going to make this specifically about professional wrestling, but I also think about like what Jimmy's saying in the context of, you know, having seen his matches and seeing, seeing your, your career. And I, I, I mean, this might be a little bit of a base question, but I, at least in the things that you're talking about, I'm kind of curious, like the course of your education, when it comes to your, I, um, your perspective on, um, you know, gender influences, um, if it's fair to put it that way. Um, you know, if you really could, like, where did you really start becoming interested in the, these ideals and where did they start really, you know, become, where did you really start feeling like you needed to express, express, uh, these ideas, especially in the context of professional, professional wrestling, because, um, I mean, not to miss words, you have a tremendous influence, especially on, you know, the way people express, you know, gender in that context today. Well, thank you. Yeah. So. You know, for most of my life, I was under the impression that, you know, gender was sort of like a construct, right? Which is a popular notion now. Um, mm. And, you know, I you know, the, the, uh, grew up on the album Free to Be You and Me of going, uh, you know, boy and girl, they're kind of the same thing. And look, they're, uh, the, the male human animal and the female human animal are mostly the same. I mean, mostly the same, but there are some differences, right? But I grew up sort of like that. We're kind of like, oh, I don't have time for your, your gender roles. I don't have time for your gender, gender construct. You know, I I was the zombie princess. It was like, yeah, I'll wear uh, nail polish and eyeliner and I'll still stab you in the face with a spike, right? Uh, and you know, when I look at that now, I look at the the expression that that was of like the, the dark feminine that was... Um, you know, being ex expressed externally that that was, that was within me. Um, my my perception on gender changed when I started to sort of dig further into esoteric philosophy and mm -hmm. understanding that I wasn't I wasn't seeing um, I didn't understand gender from a fundamental sense. 
right? From, from the sense of the, the yin and yang, from the sense of this is what pervades all of reality. And, and I think gender is one of the most, the most fundamental principle. It, it, it shows up in everything we do. Um, you know, when I, when I lay in bed and I go, oh, should I, should I work out today? It's, it's a matter of, do I want to have discipline today? Or do I want to sort of have grace with myself today and, and, and relax, right? And so these two principles are always at play with all of our decisions. They're always at play. We're always discussing where to put boundaries and where to open up those, those boundaries, right? The, and the masculine is the boundary, the feminine is, is openness. And we're always, we're always discussing how, like where boundaries should be. And you're, you're always um, having that in your life, in your conversations, in your relationships with people. You're always putting down boundaries or letting up boundaries or creating some fluidity to this bound, these boundaries. So reality is the dance between the masculine and feminine principles. So it seemed completely um, ignorant and full of sort of hubris to go, oh, it's, it's all a construct. It's like, no, it's not, not in a fundamental sense. You can say some of what we think of as masculine, uh, masculinity in men and some of what we think of as femininity in women, some of that is, is absolutely socially constructed. Um, but as, as principles, um, they, you know, they're all of reality. They're part of all of reality. So for me, once I saw that, I'm like, oh, I'm not connected to the sort of thing that I am, which is which is a human male. And mm -hmm. where is that maleness? And where is that masculinity? And how how does it present itself? Where am I um, not showing up as as a man, as the sort of creature that I am? I'm talking about the nature of the sorts of things that we are. Um, and oh, is this is this um, like constricting my life because I think, oh, I don't, I don't need this. I don't need, I don't need, you know, strength. I don't need to, to, to feel anger. I don't need to feel, you know, like I want to dominate something. I don't want to feel those things like, and, you know, we sort of curl up into, into, you know, shying away from what we think of as are, are these like awful traits, but there's a part of the animal that we are that wants to express it. And so it, it becomes a matter of how do I express that in a healthy manner? How do I lead? How do I lead my life in a healthy manner and be an example to other people to lead their lives? I mean, that's really the masculine principle. So much of it is it's, it's the penetrative principle. Again, we see it manifest in the, in, in the, the uh, in the phallus, you know, it's it manifests all over the place, and it's the it's the leadership principle. It's it, masculinity is that which leads by definition, and when we shy away from leading our own lives, we shy away from that from that energy from that principle. Yeah, I, I love your perspectives here, Jimmy. Um, just how, how like energy and, and finding clarity. It, it's like everything's a journey, everything's a progress. And I, I see masculinity a, a lot in that. It's a progress, it's learning, it's making these mistakes and and having to, to learn how to be gentle with yourself, like you said. Um, in the time that you've been in recovery, how has that benefited you in your journey so far of like discovering these parts of yourself? Mm, yeah, yeah, and and to clarify, there 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 is of course masculinity and femininity in in everybody. Like that, mm. we, we we are looking for the balance in those two things, and we're we're looking. Yeah. I mean, it shows up in the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere of the brain. I mean, it, it literally it just shows up everywhere. And so what we're looking for is is the balance. And this is this is age old philosophy. This isn't this isn't you know. Uh, there's an esoteric saying. There's nothing new under the sun, and it's like correct. There's nothing new under the sun. Reality is what it is, and um, you know sometimes we stray from we stray from the path, and sometimes we uh, we have to sort of course correct, get back on it. So I mean, look in in my um, in my journey, um, this, it, like it's so important to acknowledge all the parts of myself. And there are parts where there is shame, and there is pain, and there's all sorts of 
you know, things hiding under places that I don't even know they're hidden, that I, or I know they're hidden somewhere, but I don't know where I put the key. Because um, hmm. uh, we're, we're such weird, complex creatures. Um, when someone says that they know themselves, they just, like, I laugh at it. It's like, you have no idea who you are. You know, really, you we we know what sort of the outer layer of our mind tells us. We think we're doing something for one reason, but like there's a deeper meaning behind all all of it, right? And so, um, you have like for me, I've had to acknowledge these parts and and continue to and can you know this is partly why you signed up for this uh this this uh, you know sex and sort of workshop is go, going, you know, I grew up Catholic, so there's, you know, shame and there's guilt. There's all these different sort of stories that are, are, are wrapped underneath that and going, I have to uncover this. Like, if I don't, that which is in the shadows will, will pull the strings. And it's only through the illumination of all the parts of me that I can even begin just to understand myself. Because I think that's part of the, like, the real journey is just an understanding like, I don't need to necessarily change everything I do. It's just to go, why, you know, hey, man, why are you doing this? And to have that, like, clarity of going, oh, okay, this is the need that this perversion meets. Like, oh, I, you know, I, I still vape like a freaking maniac. And, uh, you know, it's going, you go, oh, you're just addicted to nicotine. You're, it's an oral fixation. You're, you like having something in your hand. It's like, it's way, way, way deeper than that. It just manifests itself as vaping. I tried to get to the bottom at one time and the stuff that came out of me, when I, when I really went down the feeling of like letting go of it, like what would that feel like if I let go of vaping, the stuff that came up, the, the, the resistance that went like, what? I don't, I don't get to have just something. I don't get to have like just a crutch, like a vice, a thing to hold on to. I gave up drugs. I need to give up this too. Do I need to give up everything? I just have to do this all by myself, all alone, all in the fucking world. I do it all by myself. Like that's what came up mm. when I thought about letting, when I, when I, when I felt into letting go of vaping. So it's through these parts of ourselves, it, we, we get to see the needs with we're trying to meet by all of our actions. And then by integrating these parts, we can create a union. Ultimately, that's what we're that's what we're aiming to do is create a union within ourselves. So all of our parts are working together to serve the same thing as opposed to going all these different ways. And why am I always battling with myself? Why is it always a fight? Why is it always a struggle? It's like, well, it's not integrated. That's why. Yeah, this 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 journey, though, has to be one that's voluntary. I've come yes. to learn, yes. you know, because totally. you can, you can consume best practices and I'm glad you're listening or watching to this. That's great. Um, and you could be told as many times that you could potentially make this change. This might improve your life, or you may do this too much, or this is a crutch, or this is holding you back. Um, but we have to come to an acceptance within ourselves first and then make the voluntary decision. I think people get self-acceptance wrong i think they think it's like if i accept myself then i'm just this this is who i am i'm complacent this is me forever i think the opposite i think once you accept yourself as you are in this moment then you can actually strive to improve because if you don't accept that this is your starting point we've we've talked about reality right i can't fight against reality if i'm you know 300 pounds overweight but i tell myself that i'm in shape that's fighting against reality you're not going to win so if you are that I'm accepting my starting point. I'm voluntarily taking on this absolutely treacherous journey, and, but it's going to be way better than if I didn't do anything, sort of thinking about the consequences of action or inaction. I think the consequences of action are probably pay a, a greater uh, benefit. Um, and so I think it, it boils down to that, right? Voluntarily choosing that, okay, this is my path now. Yeah, you've probably been punched in the face a few times. There's probably been a bunch of signs that you ignored right? Potentially if, it, if there's drugs involved or, or things of that nature, right? Some of those substances, but then, you know, ultimately it's pain for me, at least was the indicator that I needed to change. Normally it is for some people, but having sort of proactive conversations like this, maybe you can get ahead of it just like a little bit and say, all right, this is my choice. I'm going to voluntarily go on this battle and, and go on the hero's journey and try to slay the dragon. Um, you know, I'm going to get cut along the way, but maybe I'll armor myself along the way as well. 
And so I think what you're alluding to, Jimmy, I think is an important point there about, you know, voluntarily choosing this path. Yeah, man, there's, there, there's so much, uh, there's so much in there. It's like, yes, you, you have to. And at the end, when it comes down to it, I mean, this, this is, the, this is the truth when it comes to drug addiction or any addiction or any, any behavior at, at the re- at the real base of it, at the real end of it, it is just a decision. And you might think it's like, no, but I want to, but I can't. It's like, no, no, you don't want to, you want to, you want to want to stop but more of you wants to continue. And that's why they call that sort of rock bottom. Rock bottom is the, is, is the place where the consequences of reality, which pain to your point is, is an indication from reality. It's, the, it's feedback from the feedback system of reality to go, you're out of alignment, man. And it will keep, it will keep punching you, it will keep hitting you until at some point you go, the consequences are too much. I choose not drugs over this. I don't know what not drugs looks like. I have no idea what's on the other side of that, but I choose that no matter what, because this is done. And it's a choice, man. It really, it really is. Um, that's what I, that's what I've seen, man. There's no, there's no way around it. When did um, your personal story begin with drug use? Mm, I, I was like, uh, I, I didn't drink in high school. Uh, you know, I like drank like once or twice or something, but I like, I prided myself on, on not, you know, these other kids are partying. I'm a, I was a pro wrestler, man. I was following my dream. I went through a hard breakup at like 20. And then I, when I was 20, 21, I took my first two Vicodin and it was like, that was it, man. I, I took those first two. And it was like, there had been a weight on my chest for my entire life. And then all of a sudden I could just breathe. Mm -hmm. And I wanted that relief so bad that I spent more or less the next 12 years, just, just trying to get that relief. What did, where did pro wrestling play a part in, in all of that? Mm. Pro wrestling paid well. Certainly, it was in the pro wrestling world that I that I got that stuff. But um, you know, pro wrestling kept me away from drugs for for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. It kept me away from drugs and drinking throughout my my teenage years. Um, I didn't pick up any bad habits until my twenties. Um, it played a role in that, like we sort of like joked around about it and glorified it like we're gonna be we're gonna be like the old school wrestlers brother you know pop some pills drink some booze you know fuck the rats minus the rats um but it it was like that um and it was like we were doing a parody of what we had heard about you know people doing and but the parody just became my life (laughs) at some point Hmm. I think about that a lot, sort of the because <laughs> pro wrestling is so interesting, right? It's like you're you're going to play a, a character, some sort of version of yourself, right? There's some truth in there. Then you think about what the people did before you and you're trying to play that character as well, mixed in with who you want to be, because most people get into pro wrestling because they were bullied or, you know, whatever the case. So they're trying to be this version of themselves that they couldn't be when they were bullied. So you're just like mixing like a version of you you want to be, a version of you you're playing, a version of pro wrestling that you knew came before you that you're also trying to play. It's like a mixture of so many different identities wrapped up in one thing. And so I think when then the show is over per se, like what what do we do? Um do you have that sort of feeling? I mean, that wasn't very coherent. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, wrestling's interesting because you're 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 a character on top of a character on top of a character, right? And you don't know where you know Chris Scoville begins and Jimmy Jacobs ends, and then where the drugs begin and I end, and uh, it all became it became for me just one muddled muddled thing, just this soup of uh, distortions. Um, I I don't. I don't like to lay down like my my drug use at the feet of pro wrestling much at all, to be honest with you. I'm sure it, like 
it had its role in so far that it did. Um, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't saying I was like a lone wolf doing it, but for a large part, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy to find drugs in a wrestling locker room, believe it or not. And, uh, I tried plenty. Uh, I'm not saying it's not there, but, um, I, I, I don't know if I could like, since I don't have experience in another culture per se, I don't know if it's more prevalent, drug use is more prevalent in wrestling nowadays, um, or even over the last, you know, 15 years, um, than, than other places. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't like to lay it down at the feet of pro wrestling. I like I, li I like to to go. It, it seems more appropriate to look at myself and um, the the void I was trying to fill, the distractions I was trying to you know achieve, and the the pain that I was I was I was trying to suppress. Like that seems like the the better level of analysis for it uh, for me. Now, does wrestling attract people that have the sort of personalities, insecurities, wounds, and traumas that might, um, you know, uh, uh, be the sort of uh, characters that like to end up in the in the drug world too? It's like that's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like that you're saying that you don't want to lay it at the feet of pro wrestling. You know, I I feel like you're only saying that as someone who's on the healing journey, right? Who's who's taking responsibility for their actions. Someone uh, potentially not on that journey would would lay blame at something outside of themselves. And so I think that's also an important uh, marker, um, not only for you, but for other people who who may be trying to get to the place where they can take responsibility for their actions, be accountable for what they did. And then, and then sort of move forward, you know, with that, trying to heal through that. But um, Kyle, Carl, anything to add? I've had a, I've had a point I've been marinating on for a second. And I've just been thinking about how to articulate it. Um, Jimmy, especially as somebody who started, you know, pro wrestling as a teenager and, you know, you haven't gotten into the one thing I hear about in our groups is it's either the grind or the de desire to partake in the grind in, of, of pro wrestling, in which I, uh, I mean, you know, train as much as possible, be as busy as much as possible, be in the car, be on the, be at the shows, do, you know, everything you possibly can to make it. Um, I don't want to, Again, it's not one of those things you want to absolutely attribute to pro wrestling, but it's, you know, it's sort of the formula that looks like it's worked for a whole lot of people who have made it in the places and spaces that, you know, we generally as pro wrestlers want to be in. Um, I suppose my question, and it's kind of ref uh, referring back um, to a point you had made earlier about having grace with yourself. How do you... I, I'm curious at what point for you, you really started adopting the mantra of having grace for oneself. And if you feel like you had to reconcile that with the sort of general attitude, one is kind of expected to take when, when approaching pro wrestling um, to engage with that grind, as opposed to having grace with oneself and giving oneself a break. Well, in the pro wrestling world, that, that grace only came far, far later when mm -hmm. it stopped being the most important thing in my life, mm -hmm. right? Um, in my twenties, I would say that was the most important thing of my, in my life to, to the detriment of, of, of me. Um, and, you know, look to my, to my point about grace, it's like, give yourself grace, but don't give yourself all the grace in the world because mm -hmm. then you're not going to do anything. Right. That's the grace in, in, in the feminine principle. If just left without a counterpart of having some some discipline and structure uh we'll just you'll just turn into a, nothing you'll turn into just a slovenly just a blob over here right um so grace is important when balanced um with with a you know with some sort of discipline or some sort of structure um but that was not something I gave myself, you know, certainly in my, in my 20s. It was, yes, it was on the road every single weekend. If I had a weekend off, that was no good. I'm going to, you know, continue, continue, continue. I don't like, and that's, that, that is a difficult 
that is a difficult life, but it doesn't, I don't know, I have mixed feelings about it. I do. I, I, I have very mixed feelings about it. And I guess I'll just be honest here because I don't have it figured out. Great, that's good. I'll, I'll say something that's not in my script. Um, because I have a lot of love for that life in my 20s of putting all my chips on something in a completely unbalanced way going like let's just put all my chips onto this thing and sacrifice everything else at the feet of this thing and you know greatness happens then i don't know how i don't know how else greatness happens without an imbalance right without sort of sacrificing everything else now look in my 30s like I, i'm good with that like I, I I want the balance in my life because me taking care of me is the most important thing and everything it, it cascades from that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can't tell anybody don't don't go nuts. You know, <laughs> don't go crazy on something um, because that's an experience in life you can have. And there's a lot to it. But don't be surprised at the end of it when there's nothing on the other side. You know, the only thing on the other side of like all of that is just, it's you. And that's why I found in my 30s the, the lesson of like, oh, so I have to be okay with me. That's that's because there's there's nothing else. It's all you can run or you're just you're a dog chasing your tail. That's all that's happening over here. And it's fun, but you can you can do that. And you can drive yourself mad and you can have the ups and downs and go on that roller coaster. That can be an experience you have in life. Um, and that's okay, but just know that's what it is. Al, you got a follow-up? I mean, I think that was absolutely brilliant. And I think I can just kind of, you know, succinctly or summarize that answer um as a, it's like yeah go for the ride but wherever you can find grace for yourself you know apply it and you know i think it is what jimmy said we can't necessarily tell anybody not to like throw themselves completely into this thing and you know not chase the dream because he's right um where else does greatness happen um, it is the people who are staying late. It is the people who are at training every single day. It is the people who are showing up, you know, to week every weekend to shows. Those are the folks who are progressing. And those are the ones who are, you know, for the most part in and out, you know, you put in what you get, you get out what you put in. So I think in terms of just how <laughs> that one answer really kind of changed my perspective is like, it's not preparing. It's you can sit there and you can be a guy and like, and assist on the trip it seems but i think at least in terms of our work i'm beginning to wonder if it's like well maybe we do need to pay more attention to like what is on the other side um and how it does work out for other people uh how for just anybody i don't know i'm just kind of uh, just rattling off here like because no truly i do really did appreciate appreciate that answer jimmy yeah and and look um there's 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 balance even to be had just sort of in in the day to day, right? Mm -hmm. You don't need to be running with with all the built up tension in your body all the time as well. There's balance in just taking a moment to breathe. I love taking a moment to breathe. It's like my favorite thing to do is see mm -hmm. that I, like, I'm holding tension in my body and just going. It's okay. And I notice it in all these sorts of different places. And so there's things like that that can um, relieve tension sort of throughout throughout the journey. And you don't need to be a madman either for success. You know, you can, you're allowed to, because you're allowed to do whatever you want. But if you're the sort of person that's struggling now and going, this is too much for me, then now is a perfect time to take a breath, not just in this moment, but big picture, take a breath and go, what am I serving here? What am I doing? Do I want to make pro wrestling my God? What's, wh wh why? And what's on the other side of it? 
Do I think if I get a big contract with WB or AEW, do I think that then I'll be okay? Do I think that's where happiness lies? And which is such a preposterous notion because how many people have those big contracts and are miserable, you know? So it's when it becomes too much, you know, the people in this, this group who might be listening to this and going, this is, this is madness, this is too much. Like you don't need to engage in the madness. You don't need to. You can take a, take a look back and look at the parts of yourself and wonder, why is it that I'm doing what I'm doing? What need is this serving? And you might be able to find a, a much more reasonable way to, to meet your own need without driving yourself crazy. <clears throat> yeah, there... This is a, another interesting thing that I always think about because I work in sport and this sort of uh, one track specialization, obsessive minded thing is talked about at length. And I think there's some pretty good evidence now for this um, is the fact that to do anything great, you have to work hard. So we can just like put that to the side. If you don't work hard, sorry, you're just not going to get anywhere. So that's like a prerequisite. That's like step zero. Like sort of like listening is to having a good conversation. If you don't listen, the conversation is not going to be good. Okay. So hard work is the prerequisite, which is what like we're ingrained as pro wrestlers to think about, which is good. Some stuff is a little not okay, but you know, that's a, maybe a different conversation for another time, but we'll just say hard work is the prerequisite. And as wrestlers, you're usually working like a normal indie schedule. I don't know any other schedule because I've never been a contracted professional wrestler, but normal indie schedule is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday sometimes Thursday. So the other days of the week, what are you doing? Now, if we can implement some rest and recovery protocols in those days where you are not sacrificing everything on those days, maybe you're training a little bit, you're still hitting the gym, maybe you have a meditation practice, maybe you journal, maybe you take an ice bath, a cold shower, maybe you get eight hours of sleep, actual real sleep instead of being in the car or on a plane, right? So there's, there's a Monday through Thursday, potentially maybe a few shorter days, right? But there's at least two, three, four days in there where we can really hone in on some of these recovery protocols, these mental health practices, maybe bettering some relationships in our life, creating a support system. And then when we get on the grind, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's not as taxing when the thing comes to an end. I still have something to look at. I still have something to share with. Someone can still give me my flowers because I built a relationship, not 75, but like one or two that are still in your life. And you've decided to prioritize sleep or built some of these habits in. So that's what the people at the very tip top of the sport are doing, say the best in the world, Olympics, all of these stuff. So if we can try and do that as just mere independent professional wrestlers, yes, we don't have the some of the resources or the financial, but you don't really need all of that stuff to get eight hours of sleep. You don't need anything. You just need to make a diligent, deliberate practice to say, I'm going to get some sleep. You have a shower, do cold for two minutes, right? All of these things can help you recover just a little bit better so you can work as hard and be that obsessive on the thing that you love the most. And then when it all comes to an end, you look at yourself and you're like, okay, I gave my best effort. Like there's no regrets. I built a couple of relationships. I have some of my best buddies who came from pro wrestling. The memories are great. They're going to be at my wedding or whatever the thing is, right? But there is still things to be done while still committing to the grind if you want to be great if you just want to do it for a hobby fucking that's awesome too great love it fantastic cool for pro wrestling but if this is your deal then you got to commit to the grind but there's so many things that you should be doing that will benefit you so you don't fall into the trap of whatever happens with pro wrestlers drugs overdose sex you know our mental health suffers things of that nature if we can commit to these practices and be just as disciplined as as pursuing our goal and as disciplined as pursuing these these practices for our mental, physical, emotional health, then we might be just a little bit ahead of the curve. Not saying it's going to be perfect. There'll still be struggles and setbacks and all of these things that you have to deal with, but it, you'll just be a little bit better off. Your armor will just be a little bit stronger as you embark on the hero's journey. Um, and that's what I think I've I've learned the most from being sort of in sport over the last couple of years. And I think it relates perfectly to professional wrestling as it's a mix of sport and entertainment at sort of the highest level that people want to reach. So I think that's important. I love all that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think about this a lot as I, yeah. Anyways, but <clears throat> Jimmy, do you have any, 
I don't know if advice is the right word because I don't really like to give advice, but I'll just use that because I don't have a larger vocabulary to have another word for advice. Um, oh, I, to, I have to, something. Oh, have Carl, something. go ahead. Yeah, please, please. Yeah. Aaron, because um, I, I like we've used this uh, kind of reframing a, a lot, like having a toolbox. So, you know, having these things at the ready, like Jimmy mentioned, uh, breathing, taking that moment for himself to be in the moment. Um, rest and relaxation when you can get it, scheduling it in. Uh, I'm curious about what else is in Jimmy's toolbox that other, you know, wrestlers might think would be helpful. Mm, yeah, Perfect. I mean, look, to me, it's like breathing is first, and it is. It's first because, and if I'm if I'm holding tension in my body or feeling stress. Like I can't do anything until that's sort of taken care of. So to me, it's it's all about releasing releasing that tension first and getting out of this sort of fight or flight mode of like this thing's going on. I need to be active about it. Need to do something, and uh, I'm about to just you know be triggered into some sort of weird impulsive behavior. Uh, for for me, breathing is like the first thing, uh, but. I also sometimes do stuff with my body. Sometimes I do some of this stuff, just like shake it out, uh, depending on where I'm at. I scream. I'm a screamer sometimes, especially like in the car. Sometimes I'll just like, I'll feel it and I'll just like let it out. Um, and it, yeah, it, it's stuff like that to, um, it, when, when it has to do with like, like holding tension in my body which is basically anytime I'm stressed, anytime I'm in a, in a situation where I'm like, this is too much guy. I need to say something about this. I need to do something about what's going on in front of me. Someone should get yelled at right now, whatever, you know, when, when all of that sort of comes up, uh, breathing is, is the first one. Um, and in a bigger picture sense is it's just putting things into perspective. Um, you know, again, it depends on the situation, what the situation is, but, a change of perspective to go, you know, if it's something that, you know, I'm upset about, it's like, how much, you know, does me being upset about it change it? If I don't like it, what can I do about it? Can I accept it first and then make a determination after I accept that this is just the way things are? Do I want to, you know, still wrestle for this company or still or not? And, you know, for me, a lot of it is just understanding that I am the, I am the decider of my life. Um, and you're not, you're not boxed into anything. Like you don't like have to wrestle for $20 if you don't want to. You don't have to make this drive if you don't want to. You don't have to anything. You don't have to be a pro wrestler. You don't have to keep up with the Joneses. You don't have to keep up with anybody. You're only, you're playing a game with yourself and you get to sort of make the, the rules for you as far as like, what, what works for me? What do I want to deal with? What do I not want to deal with? And so that's a big part of it for me is, um, you know, breathing, moving my body. Sometimes it's making sounds, uh, going outside is a good one too. Going outside is nice. And a change in perspective and just always holding the perspective that, nothing in my experience generally speaking is other than the other than the laws of reality nothing in my experience has has control over me that i am the decider of of my life um and if i don't like anything that's going on in front of me i can either do my best to to interact with it in a way that will will alter it or i can go and play a different game like i'm allowed to do what i want i'm an adult hmm. That's a tool. That's a tool is realizing that like you're, you're, you're in control of your life. Yeah. That's a huge tool to realize that you have the ability to control your attention, your effort, how you respond, all of those great things. Um, yeah. Oh, I was also thinking about grace, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, all of these virtues that we can embody, right. All virtues have a, have a vice of excess and a vice of deficiency, right. So you just want to be able to you're not we're not perfect. Like I'm sorry to tell you, none of us here are perfect. You're not perfect, and no perfect person has ever existed. So we can just release that idea. 
But we want to try and walk that sort of dynamic equilibrium in, in sort of the middle of this vice of excess and vice of deficiency, especially when it comes with grace, right? Because there are times in your life where you just, you kind of need to grit it out a little bit. Like you're right there. Like, oh, you're right there. You feel like you're, no one's watching, no one's listening, no one cares. That means you're close. And there are also times where like your right knee really hurts and you can barely jump on it. And like, you're still wrestling matches. Like maybe it's, yeah, you might lose your spot. So what? Your health is at stake here. That's a little bit more important. Like, or, you know, you, you know, whatever, any of like that, like that. So there, so there are things like that where you sort of have to be able to, if you're in touch with yourself and your body, like Jimmy's talking about using the breath as sort of your life force and your best, your best friend, you can sort of, you can feel it. You have, you trust your gut enough to be able to know, okay, I can grit through this, or this is like quite serious. Maybe I should see a doctor or a therapist or whatever the case may be. That's just a one example out of many um, in terms of, you know, vice of excess or deficiency, but I think that's important as well. Um, uh, so Jimmy, I, ha I have another question for you. Young wrestler, probably struggling with his identity in the ring and outside of the ring. Um, what would you say about that? Inside of the ring and outside of the ring. I probably have two, two different uh, realms of advice for, for that. Um, identity is a funny thing. Mm. Um, and I, I think it's, it's more malleable than, than we think sometimes, you know, I, I guess I'll just speak from experience and going for so much of my life. I thought I was this, this thing. I thought I was this thing. His name's Chris. And Chris has these likes and dislikes, and he has these uh, things that he does and things that he's good at, things that he's not good at. And that's what Chris is. And that it's just, it's this thing. And, you know, it wasn't until in my thirties at some point, I just, I saw how malleable that was. It's not infinitely malleable. It's not like, you know, <laughs> I'm never going to be seven feet tall. Right. <laughs> there, there's, there's, there's definitely things that it does have solid structure, but that what I identify as does have a lot of malleability to it. So I identified as someone who is, um, well, I'm just an emotional guy. That's, that's who I am. I'm an emotional guy. That's who I am. And then I just, at some point saw, no, I'm just, I don't have practice of managing my emotions properly. That's all. In fact, I'm, <laughs> mostly scared of feeling my emotions actually that's more of the the, the problem is, is is my expression of my my emotions it's not that i'm an emotional guy it's just the my relationship with myself hasn't lended itself to healthy expressions of these emotions right and our identity is so malleable in that way um that you don't have to be the character that you're playing in the ring or out of the ring because believe me, we're playing characters to, to a very large degree. We have this thing, you know, called the ego. We have this thing that's a, just a persona, this, this thing we put on to, to, to play with other people. Um, but don't be confused and think that that's, that's you in a fundamental sense. That you, you have a nature as a, as a human animal, but you also have a lot of room to play it. Mm -hmm. and you're the author of your story and you can sort of write it how you want to. I had a friend that uh, he was a wrestler and uh, he, he, was, he would get panic attacks or anxiety attacks, one of the two, uh, in real life. But he never got them when he wrestled. And I, I asked him about it. He goes, yeah, well, my, my character doesn't have an anxiety disorder. And it's, you know, it, it just really hones in on how deeply psychological, like our, our, our whole, our, our whole thing is that yes, you can create a character that doesn't have, doesn't have these problems for this period of time. Like, and he did that. And we all sort of can do that. We're, we're sort of trapped in our own, our own stuff. And you're allowed to, you're allowed to play as someone else. You're allowed to play as uh, you're allowed to show up and pretend you're someone else 
and then eventually become that someone else and realize that you're more than the composite of all your habits and behaviors and you can change those those habits and behaviors and sort of play around and so write write the best be the best character that you want to be be the character that you want to be um yeah and don't don't you don't need to hold on too tightly to who you think you are because you're not mm. <laughs> yeah thoughts on that fellas thoughts on identity i mean in sort of forming this identity we we touched briefly on um perspective in a, in a previous question um personally i think like our support systems and the things we choose to engage with very much shape our identity so jimmy i'm kind of curious like what's your practice in finding perspective is it purely relying on you know various supports or do you you know branch out in other ways uh what do you mean by branch out in other ways I don't know. Where, like, where do you tend to find, where, where do you tend to, tend to look for alternative perspective, I guess is my question. Yeah. So um, I have a, a few people in my life I trust. I have mm. a few people in my life, like I, I trust. When I, and, you know, when I say trust, I mean, really, really trust. At the end of it, I, I make my calls though. And mm. I have to trust me most of all. So I, I have to be open. I hold that as sort of one of my sort of fundamental ways of looking at the world is going like my knowledge of reality is uh, uh, somewhat inaccurate and mostly incomplete. Like I hold that as sort of like at the base of things, those two things. So I always, I always do my best to, to keep room for my wrongness. Like, like I, I've... I've been wrong and dumb so many times in my past. And mm -hmm. so to think that I have it figured out, like everything I've said over the last, in, in this conversation, is just my perspective from where I'm at right now. Um, but yeah, I, I've got a few people that I really trust, that I will confide in, I'll seek counsel with. And at the end of, day, at, of the day, I have, to, I have to sort of go to myself to make my decisions. And, and trust me that that's that's the right thing. Uh, identity is is another thing that I think about, you know, often. And I've come up with a let me let me hear what you think of this, Jimmy. Come up with a definition of identity. Okay, I've defined identity as repeated beingness. Mm. So, mm. which fits pretty good into your I can play sort of any role any character but who am I being in those moments which really means what virtues am I embodying so if I have a core tenant of I don't know three to five virtues then if I'm being those things then that's my identity I'm being kind respectful authentic genuine whatever it is like there's a list of virtues that you can have um so for me if I'm coaching baseball or doing a podcast or doing this mental health webinar I'm still being those virtues, I hope, like, of course, it doesn't come across all the time, right? Not perfect, but that's my identity, malleable, changing, depending on the role or the room that I'm in or things like that. But it's not inauthentic because it is my my beingness, my in my being mode. And so um, what do you think of that? It's resonated with me. I, I, I like I like that a lot. Um, and and identity is important. So I don't want to make it seem like it's like, oh, it's just it's just a costume you put on. Um, it, but to me, it, it is a bit of a costume you put on, but that's, but you have to, like, you have to put on a costume to play a game, right? Like I have to put on the costume of pro wrestler to, to play the game of pro wrestler. Now at some point, and, and that, and that identity of pro wrestler will serve me in many ways. And it's, it's the structure of the identity. It's that masculine principle of giving structure to me. Will it confine me as well? Yes, it will confine me if I go, I'm a pro wrestler. That's what I am. I This is what I am. I'm a pro wrestler. This is what I'll do. A pro wrestler, pro wrestler. Is confining? Yes, but it gives me the structure in order to play the game we call being a pro wrestler. Now, at some point in my life, and this is what happens with all identity, is you will start to outgrow the costume. This is what I've found. And at some point, the thing that allowed you to expand and become something and be something will eventually become too tight on you. 
And we have this proclivity to try to keep this, this suit on once it's become too tight and we've outgrown the suit uh, because it serves us to a point. But eventually then the identity comes off going, you know, I'm not, I'm not a pro wrestler. It's something I do, but it's not who I am. Now, who am I? And we sort of keep on putting on these new different costumes in order to have, it's the thing that allows us to have new experience. It's the structure that allows us to have new experience. And it all, but if kept on too long, it is, it confines us uh, too much. I, I, I say it's kind of like the crest of a, of a wave. It's like you ride the identity out and you want to, you want to get off before, before the wave sort of mm -hmm. takes you up sort of get off and go, oh, I, I rode the ride of pro wrestler. It served me well. I rode the ride of drug addict. It was, it was, it was a fine ride for me, but it's time for it to be done. You know, I rode the ride of being a, a, a emotionally unavailable boyfriend, but I don't, I don't need that anymore. Um, and, uh, and sometimes even we put on the costume of going, oh, I'm, I'm a good person. And you do your best to be a good person. At some point, the definition of good person doesn't even work for you anymore. You go, I, I don't need to be a good person. I don't need this. Even these things we can think of uh, as virtuous uh, at some point go, well, like I, okay. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll tell this. So I was uh, a year out of rehab and um, I had been wanting to take uh, acid for about six months. And then, you know, I hear in rehab, oh, don't do it. You know, it's your addict brain talking and all sort of stuff. And, but finally I sit down and go, you know what I'm doing? I'm taking acid. And I took acid and it was great. It was awesome. And I went to myself, I wish I would have done this six months ago. And in this experience, I saw that I had this new identity that I had put on called sober guy and sober guy liked it uh, when uh, he got to say, I'm this many days clean, I'm this many months sober, this much like, and, and he saw the, the ego, the character, the, the persona of sober guy would get boosted up by, by, this, by these new things. And look, it's way better to, to have the, the character, have the identity of sober guy than it is to be you know, shoving pills up your butt on the bathroom floor guy, like way better over here. But at the end of the day, it was like, oh, this is, this is just another identity that, that isn't, that isn't true. It isn't what I am. And my journey at that point in my life, doing my best to discover what is, what is it that I am? Um, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't need to go, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sober guy. I don't need to, 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 to hold on to the grip of what people think sobriety is or isn't and 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 play that character anymore. Um, yeah. And so that that's just an example of sort of a a a what you would think is a, is a good character to go, oh, that's okay. I don't I don't need to hold on to this anymore. I, I'm I'm allowed to I'm allowed to break free from that if I want to. Beautiful. Carl. Sounds so much like uh, like a cocoon, right? Throughout your life, you get these different opportunities to kind of shed that cocoon and become the butterfly that all that work went into, you know, and, and it, it seems like you've gotten to really enjoy the butterflies uh, that you've gotten to be over these past few years. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, we all we all do if if we allow that if we allow that flow to happen, you know, if we don't grasp on for life or death, as if it's a matter of life or death going, no, this is what I am. This is, and it's like, this is the character I'm playing. I don't want to be another character. Um, Let the metamorphosis happen. Yeah. And, and if you go with the, the flow of life a little bit more, um, yeah, there, there's ease in that. And there's, but it comes with it comes with acceptance. It comes with acceptance mm -hmm. of going, of, of not seeing yourself as the as the person, as the ego, as the the thing that you think you are most your life. It, it's it's letting go of that, and it, accepting that the nature of reality itself is change, and so there's nothing to be scared of, with change in a in a very fundamental sense. Even though that is like the base fear. I think of every human being is, is ultimately like 
something like fear of the unknown, right? I mean, that's really what it is. Um, but I, I've done my best to sort of transmute the fear of the unknown into into the excitement of of, of possibilities, right? And it's it's a working relationship, but I'm doing my best. Yeah, love it. I love it so much. That's beautiful. Does anyone have any, um, excuse me, closing thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, anecdotes, funny stories to wrap us up? I mean, in terms of funny stories, when I was first starting out at the uh, at the gym where I first started training, Jimmy walked in one time with Colt Cabana. And uh, Jimmy, you had, you had said, hey, can I just see you guys uh, wrestle? Can I see a match? Totally shit the bed in front of you. <laughs> Where, where was this? This was Russell League in Chicago. It was just off of uh, North Elston. And I walked in with Colt Cabana? I believe you were with Colt Cabana, yes. Huh. It, this was easily over five years ago. It, but, it must have been when I was living in Chicago. Yeah. I'm assuming so, yes. There, there, there was a school I remember vi visiting. I don't remember if Cabana was with me, but I, I remember visiting like a school. Just Was it in like, kind of like a boxing gym? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. That was me, brother. Okay. Yeah, I remember. I remember doing that at least. Yeah. yeah. Was that at least pleasant? Oh, incredibly so. I thought it was a joy. It's an absolute pleasure to get to meet you. But I just it, it, uh, before we got started today, I'm like, ah, how how these circles become full. That's good. Not not all stories of me in the past are pleasant. So like when everyone says like we met before, I'm like, oh yeah, how was it? You know, oh, I, I, I have nothing to say negative about you, only about my performance that night. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> well, I, I only have a positive regard for you, Jimmy. So, and likewise, man, I really admire what you're doing. I, you know, I